in an RC airplane. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Today, we're going to be talking about something that we have all dealt with, um, something that we have all used and had to charge and had to discharge, no matter what kind of airplane you fly, whether it's electric or nitro or gas. Uh, we're going to be talking about batteries. Some of the batteries we're going to talk about are uh, the NICADs, the NIMH. Old school. We'll talk about the LiPos. Um, and we'll also cover some of the, uh, like the newer A123s. Um, and we'll kind of go over some of the, uh, the connectors too, that you would use to, uh, to connect those to, uh, each other or to your charger or to your airplane. So, right. uh, I think we ought to get started probably with the oldest of the bunch. Okay. The NICADs. I don't okay. remember using NICADs, um, yeah, I think there's probably a, a couple planes that I've bought at uh, at like swap meets that have had those in there, um, but I've replaced you know the receiver packs and, and and those kind of things. So maybe you know a little bit more about it than I do. Do you want to kind of talk about it? Sure. Yeah, because because they're old like me, <laughs> um, I I have quite a quite a bit of experience with NICADs. Um, and but to be honest. Um, we used to treat them pretty much, uh, or very similar to how we how we treat the uh, nickel metal hydrides, which we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Um, so I mean, they were they were good at you know what at what they did in their time. They uh, they were the high you could get high capacity and you could you could they could support high discharge rates. Um, we could we could hit them pretty hard uh, with with high charge rates as well. Um, they were they were prone to developing a memory, uh, which you know NIMHs are also, but uh, the NICADs didn't seem like, um, or at least in my experience with NICADs uh, didn't seem like the memory was all that hard to overcome. Uh, you know, hit them hard a couple times. You know, if, especially if they've been in storage, that would seem to be the worst thing for them because they they self discharge you know over time. Uh, so. You know, you hit them hard a couple times with the charger and and discharge them a couple times. You know, cycle them. Uh, we had chargers back then that were capable of high uh, high charge rates and discharge rates, and it would cycle the packs automatically. And usually, that was enough, at least in my experience, to sort of bring that or or bring them out of that memory loss phase, if you will. Uh, but it did seem like there was always some sort of permanent damage. And you know, once once you started down the path of memory loss. Uh, just like with aging, uh, they kind of they kind of just progressed. You know, there was never you were never really going to fully bring them back, and you definitely would shorten the life of the battery with those high discharge rates. And they they don't seem to be as durable as the as the NIMH batteries seem to be. Yeah. Um, so I I looked a little bit of things up on them too because, like I said, I'm not familiar with these as much. So sure. you you said that they do lose a charge while they're kind of in storage. Uh, what I found right. is that yeah, it's about ten percent uh, in a month just when it's when it's oh. sitting there not being used. Okay. Um, yeah, that sounds about right actually. Yeah, and and most of those uh, were in like the double A size kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So these were used more for receiver packs, not necessarily for flying your airplane. Correct. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And because of the because of the high self discharge rate uh, back back in the day, we used to keep uh, NICAD, especially our receiver batteries. Uh, we used to keep them. You know, when we'd put the airplanes away for the winter, um, we would take the receiver pack out of the airplane and put it on our bench and put it on a trickle charger. And uh, Ace um, Ace RC used to make them, and Sonictronics made them, and a bunch of other companies made them. But it was like a, it was just like an add-on. You would, you would plug your regular charger into the wall, your your regular wall charger that came like with like your radio, and then you would plug in line with the receiver lead this little add-on trickle device and what it would do is it would step down the voltage and from coming from your wall charger uh to about two tenths c roughly you know about 200 milliamps let's say um and that was enough to keep the battery topped off and enough to kind of stay even with the self-discharge rate so that's you know 10 percent per uh per month is that what you said yeah that's what i what i found yeah, so that that you know, if you do the math, that's probably what what those, you know, small little add a trickle devices would do is it would just barely keep ahead of that self discharge rate, so it would maintain your battery over the winter, um, which is why those things don't work with nickel metal hydrides, I guess, because those probably don't self discharge as as, uh, as uh, steep. We will get to that because that is actually the opposite of oh, being true. Okay. <laughs> oh, really? really? Okay. Um, All right, then. So uh, the thing, okay, so both NIMH and the NICADs, um, you know, each each cell is 1.2 volts. Um, so right. being, yeah, Nominal. correct. So being the, the AA size, you know, a normal AA battery that's not rechargeable is 1.5 volts, 1.5 volts. So that's, that's really close, right. you know, when it's fully charged, it's going to be close to that 1.5, 1.6 volts, um, which makes mm-hmm. it, you know, a, a direct... Um, replacement, not only for RC airplanes, but like for using it in, in things around the house. But the only problem with that is right. you don't want to use it in, uh, or you didn't want to use them in things that would uh, that would uh, kind of be stored for a long time because of that discharge. Um, nice thing about them, too, I found, is that they will, they will have about 2,000 charge cycles before they uh, kind of wear out. And out of all the batteries we're talking about, that is the highest cycle count that I could find. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah that durable. is actually kind of nice. And, you know, they're, they're not too expensive. Um, the, the cool thing about them, too, though, is that they can be stored in a discharge state without really having issues being charged later. Um, a lot of the other right. batteries that we deal with today, you're very specific on how you charge them. Um, these kind of just seem like they were, um, you know, use it and forget it kind of thing. It's not something where you had to take a lot of special care, uh, of a, of an ICAD battery. So, um, right. And that, you know, would be nice to kind of get back to with some of these batteries, but you'll, you'll see with some of the ones that we use now, they have a, a, uh, there's a lot, uh, that they provide that the NICADs didn't. Um, okay. So the, the other things that, uh, you know, was kind of bad that kind of got people away from NICADs was that they were uh, really considered to be toxic. Uh, they had cadmium uh, in them. That's kind of what made the, uh, you know, the battery being nickel cadmium. Um, so they couldn't be disposed right. of in a, in a landfill. Um, the, uh, or the other problem, too, is if you needed a higher capacity battery, you really couldn't get those um, because they were limited to, you know, the capacities that they could fit in that cell size. Um, so right. you, you didn't really have a lot of uh, a lot of options when it came to that. So 
that's kind of that's kind of the the NICAD battery. Yeah, I think I think the highest capacity um, NICAD that I think I ever used was around two thousand milliamp per you know per cell sub C size cell. Yeah, see, going going back, I think like the first RC car or truck I bought um, actually came with a, a NICAD pack. The more I'm thinking about, it. I wanted to say it was a seven cell. Maybe is that does that sound right? Yeah, that's. Yeah, that sounds right. And I want to say that was uh, that was like sixteen hundred milliamp hours. Yep, that sounds right. So, yeah, not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, not a lot of battery that you could use for a long time. So those died pretty quick. Yeah. Um, that takes us on to the nickel metal hydride. That's kind of what took over for the NICADs. Um, yep. They really didn't come out uh, until the late '80s. So they're, they're kind of a newer type battery compared to the, the NICADs. I mean, the NICADs go all the way back to like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, not obviously for RC airplanes, but in, in different uses. Um, hmm. They also are the, you know, 1.2 volts per cell. When they're fully charged, they're 1.5 to 1.6 volts, give or take somewhere. Um, okay. And I found like with cycles, you know, I said 2000 cycles for the NICADs. With uh, with an NIMH, you really, depending on size, can get between like 500 to 1,000 cycles out of them. Um, it seems like the higher oh, the, wow. the, the higher the capacity battery, the less cycles you get. So there's hmm. there's something with That's quite a dramatic difference. It is quite a quite a difference actually. Um, hmm. The nice thing about them though is they will hold between like 30 and 40 percent higher capacity. Than the NICADs, so you know I think oh, a, like of a similar size, you mean? Yeah, so you know, like okay. your your AA size, whatever that's called. I think you can get them in like twenty six hundred milliamp hours, is what I just bought for the uh, the receiver packs I got for for the Telemaster. Um, nice. So that's quite a bit higher than what the NICADs were. Um, so this we kind of touched on it before. This still uh, the NIMH battery still has the memory issues. Um, right. that the NICADs did. So um, they uh, you can bring them back easier than the uh, NICADs. So, and really to kind of reset that memory, what you need to do with your NIMH batteries is make sure you drain them all the way down and then charge them back up and do that you know, every 10, 15 cycles. It's not something you have to do all the time. Yeah, but when you're dealing with with half the number of cycles that you could do with a NICAD, those extra cycles to bring it back add up quick. That's true. I never thought of that. Um, yeah, it's. I guess the good thing about those is they're cheap. I think the the receiver batteries right. I just bought were uh, nine bucks or ten bucks a piece, something like that. So really, that's yeah. I, yeah. That, Off Amazon, I just bought a couple of uh, six uh, six volt NIMH packs, and I think they were seven dollars each. Maybe that's what mine was too. I don't remember right offhand, but yeah. it was it, very it was cheap very though, cheap. Yeah. yeah, it was sub twenty bucks for both of them delivered. Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean you can't. I don't think you can beat that really for brand new batteries. That's, no, that's a pretty no. good deal. And new batteries, you know, it's cheap insurance, right? Oh, Especially absolutely. If even if they're just ten bucks, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, so. I agree. Um, so the nice thing about the NIMH2 is, you know, they work in, in a wider temperature range than the NICADs did. So you, you will be able oh, to pull out. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, you'll be able to pull out more power from them. Right. Uh, in the I forgot about that. I, I do remember, you know, back in the day with the NICAD batteries, we had to be really, really careful on hot days, um, especially when when uh, when charging them. 
because uh, they would either, you know, not want to charge or they would get really, really hot and they would false peak and do all these nasty things. Yeah, I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, I guess, kind of why we went with them instead of Nike ads, too. Um, yeah. And some of the other well, things. Well, it's nice having that extra capacity. Well, that, too. And uh, so when everybody changed to NICADs, or I'm sorry, to uh, NIMH over NICADs, though, the chargers changed. So They had to. Right. So they don't charge as easy uh, as the NICADs do. Um, I know that they're sensitive to being overcharged. If you overcharge them, that really kills the batteries quickly. Um, and they get really hot. <laughs> yeah. And I so I don't know exactly how the chargers work, but I know there's a whole whole thing that chargers go through to to charge these batteries. Um, actually, the chargers yeah. we use today are really kind of amazing pieces of equipment when you look at them. Um, it's true. There's a lot a lot built into them. Um, yeah. But uh, do you? I mean, do you kind of have any idea how the how the NIH batteries get charged? Yeah, I mean, we we charge them same sort of um, uh, profile, if you will, as we would charge a NICAD. The difference is in the is in how the charger detects the peak. You know, when the battery has reached a a, a peak state of charge. You know, in the old NICAD days, when when a battery, you know, would if you were to look at it as as like a graph. You know, you would see this steep curve as you're dumping voltage into the battery as you're charging it. And then when the battery would reach its peak, it would simply reverse that that um, that path, if you will, and it would drop, the voltage would drop off really steeply. And the chargers were very, you know, it was very easy to pick up that change in voltage. Um, the NIMH batteries, on the other hand, uh, same deal. They sort of have a, a steep, you know, curve on the initial uh, ramp up for the charge, but as it gets closer and closer and closer to to maximum capacity or the point at which it won't accept any more voltage, it doesn't it doesn't reverse directions very quickly. It, it it kind of hangs out up there at the peak of that of that curve and it comes down actually very, very slowly. Um, and if you continue dumping voltage into it, you know, that it'll eventually come down and and the Part, uh, the charger can detect it, but by that time, usually the battery's hot and you've done some damage. With the new NIMH uh, battery um, that, that came on, uh, they sort of had to change the way chargers detected that 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 delta peak change uh, in voltage. It had to be much, much, much more sensitive. So, you know, whereas, you know, on the old NICAD chargers, let's say that the delta peak detection was, say, Point one, you know, a tenth of a volt, because and that was safe because it, it would drop off so quickly, you know, it would go, it would change a tenth of a volt on its way down really, really quickly, you know, within a couple of seconds, and the chargers had no problem picking that up. the The NIMHs aren't like that, like I said. So the, you know, we're we're dealing with delta peak settings of, you know, point zero three or or point zero four, uh, so you know, three one hundredths or four one hundredths of a volt. Uh, so that they can, so that the charger can really, really see that peak and shut off in time before it damages the pack, and that was the the biggest change uh, in the chargers and the charging profiles that we used for NIMHs. So the the what they were looking for, they just kind of had to be a little bit smarter and and detect a smaller voltage drop, and that's really the only difference in charging them. Then, pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's the same, you know. We're just dumping direct current voltage into the battery at a at a preset um, um, 
gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Amperage. Just, just gave me. Thank you. Uh, just like we did with NICATs. Uh, the only difference really is the, is, the, is the delta peak detection. Yeah, so then with, uh, with the new batteries, the, the chargers just kind of had to keep up. You know, they had to get a little bit smarter um, right. as the batteries progressed also. So, and we'll, we'll kind of we'll notice that that is a, uh, a trend with all batteries. You know, as you get new batteries, there's got to be a little bit different way to charge them uh, to keep right. them safe and to make them long time. Right. So the other thing with, with NICADs, though, so, or I'm sorry, with NIMH that we talked about a little bit before, the high self-discharge rate. Um, the NIMH battery discharges while in storage. Um, what I found was 20% self-discharge in the first 24 hours after charge. Um, wow. So you have a, a huge drop, you know, in, in the first Holy day cow. after you charge it. And then it, <laughs> it kind of levels off the same as the NICADs did with 10% or so a month after. Um, so that's, you know, about twice as fast as the NICAD batteries. Um, so the best practices, you know, with, with the NIMH batteries is make sure you charge the night before you go out to the field. Um, one of the worst things to deal with is, is getting out to the field and not having a charged battery or, you know, losing a plane because you didn't do your proper checks to make sure that you have the voltage that you were supposed to have. So right. where you really don't notice this, though, is because, you know, the, the, the NIMH batteries can hold a lot more. Uh, they're, they're bigger capacity, so they'll hold more milliamp hours, uh, which the milliamp hours is kind of the size of your fuel tank. The, the bigger, right. bigger uh, milliamp hour capacity you have for the battery, the bigger the fuel tank and the longer it will run uh, whatever it mm -hmm. is running. So since you do have that 30 to 40 percent, you know, amount of headroom over the NICADs, you really don't necessarily notice the, the drop um, going from an ICAD to an NIMH just in capacity because it's so much more. Um, so make sure you always charge those batteries the night before you go fly so you don't lose an airplane. Yeah, right. That's good advice. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, most of the time when you're, when you're just flying a little... Uh, uh, nitro plane or something like that around, you're not using a lot of power running your servos. They don't do a lot when you're in the air. You know, you're not pulling a lot of power out of it. So those receiver batteries last a good amount of time, um, which is why, you know, 2,600 milliamp hours is enough for an afternoon of flying with some left over. Usually, yeah. Yeah, depending on what you're doing, but most of the time. Um, so still getting to the habit of checking them between flights, um, you know, just make sure you have the, the voltage in it and, and do a load test and all that stuff, and, and you should be just fine. And if worse comes to worse, throw on a charger, you know, halfway through the afternoon to kind of peak it off before you uh, yeah. before you fly again. Well, and the chargers today are so convenient that you can, you know, a lot of them will run off a 12-volt battery. You know, you just hook them onto the battery of your car while you're at the field and, you know, charge one while you're flying the other one. Not a big deal, usually. Do you have anything else on NIMH, or should we just move on? No, I was gonna. I was gonna mention that, um, you know, getting getting to that uh, self discharge. I seem to remember when we when we made the conversion, or shortly after we made the conversion to NIMHs, or or when they became popular, I should say. Somebody somebody compared it to me uh, as like a faucet. So a NICAD, let's say you've got a faucet and it's half turned on, so you're only getting half the power. So there's more restriction to losing power, so to speak. Um, whereas the NIMHs were so 
you know, everybody was saying at the time anyway, they were so much more efficient at transferring power and stuff that they self-discharged because there was just no resistance to prevent it. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that was, I don't know, something I thought worth was worth mentioning. Yeah, I don't know, actually. Um, I know, like, there are actually some people that will still recommend the NICAD batteries, and you can still buy the NICAD batteries um, for, like, a, like bigger planes that will have more of an amp draw than uh, the nickel metal hydride. So, okay. um, like, the NICADs handle amp draw of a higher, you know, higher amp draw better than the NIMH do. So, I, I yeah, I'm not sure... I, I don't know how that would work. Maybe somebody, if they know what they're talking about more than we do, can reach out and set us straight on that. Okay. No, that was uh, that was really that was all I all I had left for NIMH. Well, then we'll move on to my favorite battery, the <laughs> <laughs> the lipo lithium polymer. Yeah. Boy, what a revolution these things were, huh? Right. This is the battery that really opened up electric flight because of the amount of power, the amount of energy you could store in such a small, uh, in such a small battery. I mean, really the size on it, it, it's amazing. It it truly is. But not only that, but how fast you can take it out. Um, yeah, you can, you can really pull a lot of, a lot of amperage, a lot of power out of these batteries in a, a very short amount of time without damaging them. Um, so it wasn't until, Actually, it was about the same time, really, that they came out, um, that they were commercialized as the NIMH did. It was only, you know, five years after that, something like that. Um, right. But where they've made a, a, a big step forward, um, like I said, in capacity and, and how fast you can take that power out. Not only that, but you can, uh, you know, the, the self-discharge is really, really low compared to any of the other batteries we've talked about so far. With a lipo, you get one and a half to two percent discharge a month, just from for, or just from sitting. Um, Gosh, that's almost nothing. Yeah, really. I mean, so if they're going to sit for a long time, keep them at storage charge, you're going to be fine. You're not going to have a lot of degradation. Um, that's one of the nice things about them. So, charge cycles, that's that's problematic. So the charge cycles, how many you get out of it, really depend on how you treat your battery. So mm-hmm. you, I mean, there are batteries that if you if you abuse them, really within two or three charges, you can kill the battery completely. Oh yeah. Most I'm of sure. the time, you get like between one to 300, 500 charges out of them, maybe. Um, but it depends on how how close you are to pulling out the uh, pretty much to turn the faucet all the way on. The, the closer you are to pulling okay. as much of that power out quickly as it uh, it will give you, the faster you're, you're damaging that battery. Or the LiPo batteries all have labels, and the labels are very important to know what the battery is. You need to pay attention to those. Um, they, they all tell you, uh, the labels tell you the capacity, so it will tell you how many milliamp hours that uh, battery holds. They most of the time will tell you the cell count, whether it's a 2S or 3S. Um, but they will also, well, I shouldn't say also, they will tell you for sure the voltage. So um, whether it's a, so like a 2S battery uh, is going to be a 7.4 volt. A 3S battery will be 11.1 volts. So what 
the way they figure that out is uh, on a LiPo, you know, for the other batteries we talked about, the NICADs and the NIMH, they were 1.2 volts a cell. LiPos are 3.7 volts a cell. So the, the voltage is higher per each cell. And the nice thing about LiPos, too, is they don't have to be formed um, into a specific shape. They will work... I mean, you can even curve them around. You can pretty much put them in whatever shape uh, you want. Not you as in like us, but when they're manufacturing the battery. So right. the other thing uh, you'll find on the on the label will be the, well, sometimes, not always on this one, the C charge for, or the C rating for charging. What C rating is, is how fast you can either charge it or discharge it. So 1C is going to be charging it at the capacity times 1. So a 5,000 milliamp hour battery is going to be charged at 5 amps. Does that make sense? Yeah, because 1,000 milliamps is 1 amp, so 5,000 milliamps is 5 amps. Right, so if you have like a 1,300 milliamp hour battery, you charge it at 1.3 amps. Right. Unless it says 2C or 3C. But really, like for me, even if it says you can charge it two to three times the capacity, I don't like to do that because that will, while it will take it, it will degrade the battery faster. So the, Absolutely. Yeah, the best practice for charging is always going to be just charging at 1C. Um, or, less or less than that. Right? right, yeah. It doesn't have to be exactly 1C. You know, if, if you... If you have time and you want it to go for a couple hours, and then just let it go, you know, for half of that. So charge it at two and a half amps as if it's a, a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. So, mm-hmm. with, you know, with saying that also, when you're charging, normally what you're charging at 1C is going to take one hour to put in because, you know, it's 5,000 milliamp hours. So to charge it, you go to the five amps, and putting five amps in is going to take one hour to charge. So whenever you charge at 1C, you're going to be right at that one-hour mark, give or take a little bit. You know, there's going to be some fudge factor in there, but you're going to be right about one one hour to charge. Um, Well, and usually you're not starting from zero milliamps. That's correct. Yeah, you're right. It's it's not usually right at zero. Um, So the other thing uh, on the label that you're going to see is the C rating for the continuous discharge. so that's going to be how many amps you can draw continuously out of that battery. A lot of times you're going to see like 20C, 30C. Um, I mean, some of the new ones are even like 60C. So what that means... This one I'm looking at here is a 50C. Oh, okay. The one I have on the charger right now is actually a, a 30C, I think. Um, okay. But it, it's I've had it for a couple of years. Um, so the... Okay, to to figure out how many amps you can pull out of that is is simple math. So if it's a 5,000 milliamp hour battery and it's a 20C battery, then that's going to be 5 amps because we change that to amps and then multiply it by 20. So you will be able to pull out 100 amps from that battery continuous without technically harming that battery. So that's what it's designed to do. So you can, 100 amps is a lot out of a battery. I mean, really. Yes. And it goes up from there. So what's yours? How ba- how big is the battery? Uh, this is a little 2200 three-cell. Okay. It's rated at 50C. So 2200, so 2.2 amps times 50. And that's a small uh, small battery then. And you can pull mm-hmm. out over 100 amps out of that 
little battery without hurting yeah, it. Yeah, that's impressive. That's very impressive. Um, yeah. So you don't have to take the power out that fast. And it's always a good idea if you want your batteries to last a little bit longer to kind of overbuy on your batteries. So your ESC is going to tell you what its amp draw is, and that's pretty much what you're going to want to be look at, or what you're going to want to uh, what you're going to want to look at. So if you have an 80 amp ESC, and you have um, you know it's going to be a, a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, you're going to be better off buying a 30C battery than a 20C battery. Now, the 20C battery will technically work, and it's not going to give you any problems. You're not going to have anything happen uh, because of the, the current you're pulling out of it. But it's always good to have some headroom so that the battery kind of is not working at its its full power, full capacity. Does that make sense? Yes. Any yep. Yeah, anytime you push something to the limits on what it's designed to do, you're going to be uh, hurting that more than if it's working at half power or something like that. So you're going to get more, uh, you're going to get more charges out of it. You're going to get more uh, life out of this battery if you take care of it and don't push it to its, you know, its its rated capacity for withdrawal. Um, okay. Other thing that you're going to find on a label, most of them, I should say, not all of them, because I looked through all mine to see if these all had this um, peak discharge C rating. So that's going to be like how many amps you can draw for short burst, five to ten seconds, something like that. So um, with the same like 5,000 milliamp hour battery, let's say it's 20C continuous, 30C burst. That means continuously you can pull out 100 amps without issues. You can also uh, pull out 150 amp out of that battery for short bursts of five to ten seconds without damaging the battery. So That's incredible. Yeah, you'll you'll see that in in different batteries. Um, like I said, not all of them are going to have the 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 peak uh, C rating for peak discharge. Some of mine don't. Some of mine do. So it's just look on the battery. But all of them for sure are going to tell you what the voltage is, um, or tell you the cell count. That's very important to know if it's a two S or a three S. Uh, right. 4S, 5S, 6S, you know, whatever. Yeah, especially if you have a charger that doesn't auto-select the cells when, right, it, when which, it detects it when you plug it in. Yeah, which I don't. So I, I still have the right. old style where you have to tell it what you're charging um, yeah, so it knows how to charge it. Um, but, you know, the nice thing about LiPo batteries, they don't have any memory. So it, yeah, it doesn't matter nice. what you pull them down to. They will not uh, will not remember... Um, you know what they what they can take out of them, so you don't have to worry about the memory effect that you had to worry about with uh, NiCads or NiMH batteries. They right. also, you know, one of the nice things is the, the like I said before, the the high discharge rates. You're not going to get those discharge rates out of the NiCads or NiMH. It's just not the batteries aren't designed for that, so it's not going to happen. Um, and the the capacities, like I said, are just huge compared to some of these other batteries too so you can oh, yeah. you get much bigger fuel tanks if you will for your airplanes yeah so the other thing that um that is nice about these batteries so your your usage in these batteries is in a narrow band of voltage you have uh like 4.2 volts is fully charged so on a 3.7 right. cell 4.2 volts is fully charged you never want to go under three volts per cell. Right. I always like to stop at like three point three. You know, depending on what you uh, what you go to, 
Um, I know like with yeah. RC cars, some of the ones I have, you can actually set the low voltage cutoff for 3.0, volts. Um, I always went to 3.3 on those. With airplanes, it's a little bit different. I don't, uh, I don't let the, the voltage cutoff do the work for me. I just set a timer. Um, because most of the time with a timer, uh, you're going to be safe, not draining it too far. Um, and it's also going to not get to the point where, so what, what happens with airplanes is when you're flying around and you hit that low voltage cutoff, you lose power. So it will turn off your uh, propeller and that's how it tells you that, Hey, it's time to come in and land. Yep. So you can reset that, you know, you go down to, to idle. And then you can slowly give it some power. But if you start pulling out too much right. again and it goes to the low voltage cutoff, it's going to happen again. So the best thing is, you know, just set a timer. Letting it go to the to the low voltage cutoff kind of plays into what you were talking about, about operating at its maximum limits. That will kill them much faster. Right. Um, but w- so what I was kind of getting at, though, is what's nice is you have you know, between three to three and a half volts, all the way up to 4.2 volts. So there's not a lot of difference in voltage between a fully charged battery and an empty battery. So you don't lose a lot of power when you're flying. You know, you'll, you're going to lose some RPM because obviously the voltage is dropping a little bit, but it's not going to be a huge difference between the beginning of the flight and the end of the flight. Oh, yep. Yeah, I see what you're, you're talking about, the discharge curve. Right, yeah, sorry. So yeah. when, it, like That's I said, okay. fully charged, 4.2 volts, fully empty, three volts to three and a half if you're being safe. So Careful. you're not you're not going to be running all that or running that down to like under a volt per cell to where you're going to notice a huge difference in power uh, and, right. and performance. So the nice thing about those is, like I said, that the band is very small and what you take out. So you don't see a difference in uh, in performance between the, the beginning and the end of the flight like you would with other batteries. Yeah, I remember with uh, with the NICADs and and even the NIMHs with with cars. I used to be in the cars too, but um, there would there would be a definite gradual decline in performance from start to finish. You know, with a with a kind of a sudden uh, ramp off of voltage at the end of the charge. But um, yeah, it's not it's not like that with the lipos. It's very very a very flat, if you will. Uh, discharge curve, which is cool because, like you said, it's the same power from almost from start to finish. Yeah, when I used to run cars a lot more too, I mean, you'd be you'd be racing down the the straightaway, and you wouldn't really notice any difference. Uh, it's not like they slowed down a lot, but then all of a sudden you'd hit that low voltage cutoff, and then that would just stop, which is fine. You know, you're running the car, so it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and then right. you can kind of baby it around and, and get it back to you, so you don't have to go out on the track to pick it up. Um, but it's when I did have some of the NIMH batteries uh, also, yeah, you could definitely tell. You get halfway through the battery, and you'd be going a lot slower. You get to the end of that battery, <laughs> and it's just barely crawling around the track trying to come back to you. So, um, right. yeah, right. The, the LiPos make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Only thing, though, with LiPos is make sure um, make sure you are running it on an ESC that is designed for LiPos. Almost any of them nowadays are. I mean, I I don't know if you can buy one that's not uh, right that you're not I able to use it. lipos with. But with some of the older like tracks of stuff that I have and some of the aftermarket parts for those, they were really before lipos. Um, and so for me to run lipos in that, first off, you have to check your voltage to make sure it'll it'll work. Um, right. 
And you also need to put like a, an external, uh, like alarm. You can get alarms to, to plug into the, the charger port or the, the balance lead on the LiPos. And then it'll kind of start beeping if it gets to a, a certain cutoff. Um, so just make sure yeah. your, your ESC can handle a LiPo, which, like I said, anything today, I can't imagine that it wouldn't. So that's kind of a moot point. Did you want to talk about LiPos as receiver packs in airplanes and and kind of some of the issues you might run into with that? Yeah. Take over. Go on. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, so you, you mentioned, you know, the different voltage per cell. And so a, a standard, you know, three-cell LiPo is 11.1 and a two-cell LiPo is 7.4. Um, and so a single cell is 3.7. Uh, so most... Airplane uh, receivers are designed to operate around the 6-volt range. So a 2-cell LiPo, unless your receiver is modern and designed to handle the high voltage, and it'll say usually HV on it somewhere, um, we would have to run the LiPos through some sort of a, um, oh gosh, I... A voltage regulator? A regulator, thank you. Um, which I still have a bunch of those in the drawers here and stuff, but <laughs> even those are becoming less and less necessary because most of the radio manufacturers have kind of uh, accepted the reality of how good the LiPos and the and the other lithium-style batteries are, and they've designed to operate, you know, at those voltages. So you have to be careful about powering an aircraft radio uh, with LiPos. You have to make sure that, you know, if the radio is not designed to handle that voltage, you're using either a regulator or, well, I guess a regulator <laughs> or a smart tray with one built in. The other thing you have to watch out for, though, not only your um, your receiver, servos. Some of those are not, right. if it's not a high voltage servo, they are not meant to take um, the higher voltage with a, a like a 2S LiPo. Sometimes, you know, there was there's, there's like a band of receivers out there that, um, would accept the high voltage from the battery, and their output voltage was designed to handle standard analog and digital servos at 6 volts. So you have to do your reading and, and do your research when you buy a receiver. Or if you have a receiver, you know, get out there on Google and uh, find the specs and make sure that output voltage from the receiver, no matter what receiver battery you're using, uh, matches up with the servos that you're using. Yeah, good tip. Always check to make sure you're not going to burn them out because that, uh, that will burn them out pretty quick. And, oh, yeah. Um, Been there, done that. <laughs> they'll last just yeah. about long enough to get up and start flying, and then you lose everything <laughs> and crash. So, well, I haven't, haven't uh, lost one in flight due to that, but I've, I've lost several servos on the bench because I, I've neglected to check the output voltage of the receiver and whether it you know, was, uh, would jive with the servos that I was using. Oh, yeah. That... Luckily, I'm cheap, and I, I buy cheap servos. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you don't want to mess up anything too expensive. Right. So now you, you you talked about all these wonderful things with the lipos. Is there you want to talk about any of the negative stuff? Oh sure. Lipos are scary batteries. Well, they can be. Like what? when they first when they first came on and first you know became popular in the in the RC uh, in the hobby, I was I was very afraid of them. I didn't want them in the house. In fact, I kept them out in the garage, which with the heat in my garage was not a good idea either. But anyway, <laughs> that was probably um, worse on them than and, keeping them in your house. Probably, um, but uh, you know, it was, it was it was just they were so new and they hadn't you know, I don't want to say they hadn't worked all the bugs out, but they hadn't really worked all the bugs out for especially for you know homeowners to use these things. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean they're they're 
they really are safe. I mean, you really almost with with the chargers and all the stuff that's out there now uh, that are using these things. I mean, it, I don't want to say they're foolproof because it's still ways to mess them up. But um, if you're, you know, even just slightly careful, you're not going to have any issues with them. Right. I mean, treat them well, you know. If they get, uh, if they show signs of degradation, if they if they get puffy at all, like my rule kind of is, uh, if they get puffy, <laughs> don't fly them. I've seen other people, um, like the person I'm talking to now, that has uh, flown with uh, some lipo batteries that I would be questionable about, uh, yeah. and would and not. I use. have since I have since gotten rid of those batteries. Yeah, so the. Okay, so puffy, puffy uh, lipo. What causes that? Um, I don't want to go in too deep on it. Um, okay. Yeah, because I won't understand you anyway. Well, okay. So <laughs> let's just let's touch on the basics. So a battery yeah. has an anode, a cathode, and an electrolyte or electrolyte. Um, so with a lipo, the electrolyte is going to be your, your like the hence the PO lipo uh, lithium polymer. It's a polymer separator that goes between the cathode and the anode. So what happens when it's either well age causes it, overcharging, uh, charging too fast causes it, um, charging them to too high of a voltage causes it. Taking them below three volts causes it. Uh, what about storing them at the wrong voltage? Storing them at the wrong voltage will speed it up. Okay. So that's kind of part of the aging thing. So with uh, with lipo batteries, you want to store them at a certain voltage. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, any deviation from that is going to hasten the death of your battery. So... Um, I like how you put that. Hasten <laughs> the death of your battery. <laughs> oh, just, just be careful. We'll make them live as long as we can, as long as we take care of them. Yeah. But uh, so when you see the puffing, that happens when that uh, that little separator, the polymer separator, breaks down. Um, so polymer is another word for plastic, right? Yeah, um, more or less. Pretty much. It, yeah, that that's. That's the part that goes between and kind of separates, like I said, your anode and your cathode. So um, most of what um, is in that is going to be lithium and oxygen. So when that breaks down, that is the oxygen kind of coming out of that uh, electrolyte. So okay. they're a lipo battery. I don't know if you've ever taken one apart. They are made up of a lot I, of layers um, that are very, very. I'll be honest. I'm still scared of them, so I I don't mess with them. Like I don't take them apart. Like I get nervous even just soldering my my connectors onto them. Uh, so <laughs> well, no, I've never had one apart. I I have had to get rid of some before, and before I got rid of my, you know, I discharged them uh, all the way as low as I could go, and I did cut one open just to kind of see what it looked like. There's a lot of yeah. like fan folded um, layers in there. Um, I think it was a three cell. I don't remember if it was a four or five thousand milliamp hour battery. But when you unfolded well, it's a those, good size battery. It was a it was a big battery. It was one of the first ones I got for my uh, RC cars here. But anyway, when you when you unfolded the the stuff that was inside of that, it was five or six feet long. It was it was a lot of stuff that's kind of pressed into that. Um, okay. So. 
what what happens well, first off when it when it puffs it's starting or it's starting to get dangerous you know the the chemicals that are in there um the problem with them is when they do short out they kind of fuel their own fire and that's why it's so hard to put out like a lipo fire when that happens what right. what comes out uh of that puffiness is oxygen and oxygen obviously makes it easier to burn yeah, so it's right. it's supplying its own oxygen to the fire and that's what makes it hard um or that's what makes it difficult to uh, to put out sometimes okay. but so those layers you know as they start to puff up the uh they get more room between them and in order for that battery to work well and to work at its full uh uh full extent that needs to be pressed as tightly as they can. When that puffs up, the ions can't go between the anode and the cathode, and you really lose um, you lose the ability to take out the um, the power as quickly as you need it. So, okay. if it's puffed too much, really those batteries are useless. Um, you're not going to be able to get your flight times out of them. You're going to pull, uh, or you're not going to be able to pull the power out as fast as you can without harming the battery. Um, like I said, discharging it too fast past your C rating, uh, charging mm-hmm. it too fast over one C or whatever they, they rated that can do it. Uh, improper right. storage can do it. And just time in general, because these batteries from the day you buy the battery, it's breaking down and it's kind of eating itself away. Um, yeah, the so clock these, is ticking. right. They don't last forever. Um, and that's why, like I said, you get, you know, one, two, three, maybe 500 cycles out of them if you really take care of them. Um, but don't don't count on them lasting too long. So that, that's kind of the lipo puff and why it's a good thing to, uh, when you see a little bit of a puff, you're probably fine. Just know you're probably going to be on your last season. But if it puffs up yeah. quite a bit, uh, especially if it wasn't like that before you flew and you came back and you saw it was all puffed up, just it's done uh set it off to the side let it cool down let it kind of sit on its own and just uh don't touch it you know then you'll have to kind of go through (laughs) you'll want to get it uh get it taken care of and recycled at a later date but at that point just kind of let it sit and see what it's going to do that's that's my recommendation at least touch it don't that's good advice touch it yeah (laughs) that's when they get dangerous you know like i said when so when when the battery has puffed has puffed to the point that it's Round. <laughs> uh huh. So, so what you're saying is that's bad. Yeah, and some of the okay. some of the batteries that I've seen are bad. Yeah. Um, okay. Like I said, some of the ones I have, you know, if if you press on them, uh, you might get it to move down sixteenth of an inch or something like that, and you can kind of feel a little bit of puffiness to it. But those batteries are, I think one of them I have is, um, oh, I, I date my batteries when I get them. I think the one I'm talking about was... Uh, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I I used to mark down how many times I charge it, but then I got lazy and didn't want to do that. Um, yeah. But I, I think that one was 2015, so it's about five years old. Um, oh. And it's it's probably to the point where I need to be getting rid of it. Um, but... so. How that brings me to, uh, I'll ask you when you're done. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I lost my train of thought, so I'm done. Oh, well, you were talking about you'd had it uh, five years or so, and it was probably time for it to, for you to be done with it and and to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And my my question was going to be how, like, what, how how do we get rid of these things? 
I mean, these are, I've heard that these are safe. We can just throw them in the landfill. Well, that depends on, on where you are. Um, okay. It's not necessarily a good idea to do that. Um, just because, you know, recycle them. There, there is material in these that can be reused. Um, okay. I, I think some of these, I don't remember if the lipos do or not, but some of them have cobalt in it. Um, and those, you know, that, that material can be recycled. Um, oh, batteries okay. in general should be recycled, not just thrown away. But okay. the way to make these safe um, from... So what I've done, and I don't know, don't take my word on this. I, I haven't looked up, you know, how to officially destroy these batteries. Um, <laughs> but what what I've done in the past, two things. So I will hook up, um, you know, drain it as much as you can just on your airplane. Get it as low as you can get it voltage-wise. Um, then you can either, like, put a light bulb or a, 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 some sort of small charge uh like if if you're in the right um depending on what kind of uh voltage you're you're working on you can use like uh, some led strip lights are 12 volts some of them are one and a half volts some are three volts just depending on what kind of, of light you have but you know use something like that in order to s- slowly you know slowly pull a, a draw out of it um when it gets down low what i have done before uh is just put it in salt water and I'll make up a, uh, a container and put a, a decent amount of salt in it, you know, get it warm so it gets dissolved. Um, then normally I like to go outside with it so that I'm not, uh, uh, you know, inside my garage or uh, inside the house especially. But I, I will leave it outside for upwards of sometimes a month and a half, two months, just to make sure it's completely shorted out and there's no power left in there. Um that's what I did with the one I was talking about that I uh, that I took apart after it was out there for quite a while. I knew that you know when you check it with a, a voltmeter and stuff, there was, there was nothing in it. It showed nothing, um, so okay. you're able to kind of be less scared of them because when the when the power is out of them, there's nothing really that's going to happen. Um, so once that's done, you know, set them off to the side and find out what your local recycling you know battery recycling place or something like that is and, and take them into there. Um, okay. I mean, that's what I do. So deep discharging them down, down to 0.0 volts, that's, that's not enough discharge to set these things off? What do you mean? Well, it, the, the fire that, that these things can potentially cause, that's, that's, a, that's a chemical reaction. It, it doesn't really have anything to do with electricity, right? I see what you're saying. Well, what... And please, if I'm wrong, somebody correct me because I'm not an expert on this by any means. It's the pulling out fast that destroys it. So if you slowly discharge it, and that's what the salt water does, it's a very slow discharge. I mean, like I said, it takes a long time to do. That is okay. And especially because you're not trying to save the battery. Like if you get down to where it's very low, you're not going to want to use that again. It's just going to give you issues. It's not going to charge right. Uh, and that's when it can get dangerous. So as long as you um, hmm. as long as long you do it slowly, from what I understand, you won't have any issues. And like I said, please, somebody reach out if I'm, if I'm telling a lie, because if we're wrong on this, I will take this down and we will, we will correct what we've said. Um, but that's how <laughs> I understand it. 
Yeah, I, I'm just scared of them. So like when they're when they're done, I just cut the connector off. And actually, they're all the ones I was planning on getting rid of. They're <laughs> sitting right over here on the on a box in the basement. I need to take them out, and <laughs> figure out what to do with them. Well, okay. Um, so the other thing, when you cut connectors off, one wire at a time. And make sure they don't touch. <laughs> yes, I know. So don't, I mean, don't just like take your scissors and go straight across them because that's going to short them out. And, I, and yeah, that will get And I problems. cut them at different lengths too. Yeah. Like I'll cut, I'll cut one wire and then I'll flip it over and cut the other wire really short so that they don't touch. Yeah. That's, that's a good idea. That's how I do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, with lipos, like I said, just be careful and treat them well. Um, yeah. Do not over discharge them when you're flying. You know, if they get below that three volts per cell, that's the kind of the magic number with them. Um, you're really going to mess them up, and they're going to get useless very quickly. So just take care of it, and you should be okay. Cool. Uh, and and don't rely on the low voltage cutoff of your electronics bee controller. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, a last resort. You you want it there to uh, to kind of be a a just-in-case-I-need-it thing, but you don't want to ever need it. So the best thing, like I said, set that timer. Um, yeah. And don't necessarily go all the way down to 0%, too. I mean, I, I don't like to discharge my batteries that low. Um, yeah. Figure out what your capacities are, what you're going to be flying at. And like I said, I always cut off maybe 80% of the battery or so, uh, sometimes even less, because I'd rather fly a little bit less now and have that battery last longer than have that extra couple minutes of flight time now and have to replace it sooner. Yeah, right. And and to be honest, most uh, modern electronic speed controllers, you can you can actually adjust that low voltage cutoff too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, you'd have to you'd have to look at your speed controller, but uh, but again, I I like you. I, I set a timer on my transmitter, and when it goes off, I I make for the runway. Yep, that's when you know it's time to come in, and then and then you can check it. You know, you'll know how much uh, charge you're putting in. Um, and that'll kind of tell you how much you took exactly. out, obviously. Yeah. And then yeah. you can adjust accordingly. So if you only took exactly. out 20% of your battery, you know, double that timer and go ahead and, and <laughs> yeah. fly a little bit longer, but don't get down to zero. I mean, I don't, if I have a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, I don't want to be putting 5,000 milliamp hours in it to, you know, when I, when I do it, I want it to be, I'm happy if it's, uh, you know, 4,000, something in that range. Yeah. Um, okay. just leave a little fuel in the tank. But I guess yep. I, I'm the same way with cars, like real cars. When I drive, I don't like to get below like quarter <laughs> tanks. That's when I'll stop. You know, there's two people. Right. You know, the car says 50 miles left on the on the dashboard. Well, I got to get gas. Or yeah, yeah. other people, yeah. it says zero. Well, that's fine. I know my car. I got another 20 right. miles yeah. in me. No, I I, I don't yeah. like doing that at all. I'd I rather think you're not walk. My wife. <laughs> oh, plenty of time. <laughs> Yeah, yes. that's not me. Yes, I've had to take I've had to take gas to her a couple times. We'll talk, <laughs> I think we'll I talk about that some other time. Yeah, I think I do that once, and then uh, after that, she's on her own. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so that's lipos. Um, how about uh, do you want to talk about the A one two threes or or lifepo fours or lithium ions, whatever you want to call them? Yeah, we or can we can talk about that one. Um, yeah. those, those are the ones I like. <laughs> well, that's good because I don't know nearly as much about those because I've never dealt with them before. Um, oh. I know you have some for receiver packs. Is that right? I do. Yeah. So why don't you, why don't yeah. you tell us a little bit about them? What's the difference between that and a LiPo? Um, well, one's called LiPo and one's not. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, the, uh, 
the, the science and the technology, uh, I, I'm not I'm not real keen on the differences. Um, these are these are made of a lithium iron phosphate combination. Uh, so you know, as far as the actual construction of the cell, yeah, I can't really talk about it because I don't know that much. Yeah. Um, but I know they're round. <laughs> you know, kind of like what I'm used to with the old NICAD and nickel metal hydride batteries, so they're familiar. But bigger, though, right? They, they, they can be, yeah. Oh, um, can you get them in the, like, the AA size? Uh, very similar, yep. Oh, I didn't yep. know that. Yep. Um, uh, and, and, and the reason I, I really like them is because they are, they are more closely related voltage-wise to nickel metal hydrides. So um, usually a life battery uh, you can get away with uh, with a standard, you know, six volt radio system, um, because they're only, you know, uh, three point three volts um, when fully charged, um, and when they're fully discharged, you can get them down to I think it's uh, uh, two point three or two point five, something like that. Anyway, they're they're more closely related, so you don't have to have a lot of the the fancy. Well, it's not so fancy anymore because it's fairly standard, but. Um, Back when these came out, the the high voltage receivers and high voltage servos were fairly expensive because, and you had fairly limited selection of what you could get. Uh, so the LifePo battery or the lithium iron batteries were nice because you didn't require anything different. You could just buy this new technology battery, which was kind of the best of both worlds. It it had the uh, you know the long life and the uh, uh, the the non self discharging features of of the lipos, but you also had the somewhat durable nature of the of the nickel metal hydrides. Uh, so that's why I like them. And they're, you know, they're easy to deal with. You don't have to balance charge them. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You can treat them as long as you're tr charging them with the correct charger. You can treat them almost like you would treat an ICAD or a nickel metal hydride. Huh. Um, they're they're it not really designed for high discharge rates, uh, which is perfect for you know receiver battery use yeah because I, I i don't run a lot of the high voltage you know high amp draw digital servos in my airplanes uh, or i'll gang several like on my big airplane um, i have two analog servos that are fairly low draw to run a big aileron instead of one big high amperage you know digital servo so perfect for me that they're not high discharge like the lipos um they do charge a little bit differently than the lipos. Like I said, you don't have to balance them. You don't have to really monitor um, the, each individual cell like you really should with a with a lipo. Um, but but yeah, that I, I like them. Um, they're they're simple to use and they're pretty safe uh, comparatively speaking to to a lipo for sure. Uh, I'm not sure what the what the lifespan is on them because honestly, I have not worn one out yet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they, uh, they will. They will sit in an airplane all winter long. I shouldn't say that. They will sit on my bench all winter long. <laughs> Technically, I do. I do leave them in the airplane, but I shouldn't. Oh, That's but a bad habit. You but they're stored inside. Right, you're right. I don't keep them out in the garage or out in the shed or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I don't. I won't touch them all winter long. And then when I'm ready to go fly in the spring, I'll go to top them off, and they'll take maybe. Maybe a hundred, maybe two hundred milliamps for them to get back to fully, you know, fully charged. I mean, they really, really are are ideal for uh, what I use them for. You know, aircraft receiver batteries. And what do you say the the voltage was on them? 
I think I think when they're fully charged, they they go to three point three or three point six. I, to be honest, I don't. Well, wait a minute. I got a sheet right here. Uh, let's see. Three point six. Um, yeah. So uh, per cell, and then uh, never let them get below. Oh, this is two and a half per cell. Oh, okay. So, so they are a little um, bit different than a lipo, then, just on their on their voltages too, then. Right. Okay. Yeah. Then that makes sense. Like I said, I've never used them, so that makes sense as to why you can kind of directly replace, right. like a six cell yeah. uh, or a five cell, uh, cell receiver right. pack. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. I really do. Uh, they're kind of pricey still. Um, I haven't really been able to. Excuse me. I haven't really been able to find a. Um, I don't want to say cheap. Uh, inexpensive, <laughs> if you will, place a to value them, so. brand, if you will. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, uh, so I just buy them from uh, Framaco. I mean, that's a good. It's a quality brand. I'll say their name. Uh, they great customer service. I highly recommend them. But anyway, I can't find them really anywhere else for much cheaper. Anyway, so I just go ahead and get them from there. And uh, I've, like I said, I, I've got. Uh, let's see, I've got three in my big yak here. I've got two on the bench. One of them is going to go in the Kristen Eagle. Um, but I've had these batteries, God, I can't remember. I can't even remember when I bought them. I need to do like what you do and put dates on them. Uh, in fact, I may do that on all these new lipos I just got. But I actually think uh, I might remember you talking about getting those. I mean, it's been several years, hasn't it? It's yeah, it's been at least. If that's the same one I'm thinking of, it's it's been at least five years, at least. Well, uh, you okay? I so I think you bought those about the same time I bought the the batteries for my Yak because in the in my plane in that big one I put uh, the two cell lipos. Okay, yeah. So it probably yeah, because you've got a board in that in that airplane, right? Yep. So I okay. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, that's exactly when it was. So how long ago has that been? I don't know. I don't have those batteries in front of me to tell you the date on them. I mean, it may not be the exact date, but it'd be it'd be pretty close. Um, uh, anyway, I want to say probably fifteen or sixteen. So yeah, five five or six years. Yeah, um, well, four or five, or four yeah. or five. Yeah, four or five years. Uh, and like I said, I I pulled uh, I pulled them out of the yak. I mean, I pulled them out of the la- out of the yak last fall, uh, just last week, um, <laughs> and and topped them off. And literally, the, one of them took uh, like hundred and twenty milliamps to to top off. And the other one, it was like about them. It's like two hundred. It was like just shy of two hundred, I think. And how big are those? Uh, and those uh, these are. This one is uh, forty-eight hundred. Oh, okay. Forty-eight, yeah, forty-eight hundred milliamp pack, and it sat idle. I mean, last time I charged it would probably have been last summer, honestly, sometime, and it sat all that time, and that's all it discharged. Yeah, that's not bad then. Uh, that's so, pretty impressive. <laughs> you said those. You said when charging, they don't have like the balance ports that a lipo does. So how do you charge those? Is there a special setting on a on your charger? Yeah. So in fact, from from Framico, the people that I I buy these from, they they you know they're very very good. Uh, they give you very very specific instructions on how to charge them, uh, and basically you charge them on your on your lipo charger on the lithium polymer setting, because oh. I guess the voltage is close enough, and you charge them as a two cell in series uh i'm sorry yes two cell in series or a 7.4 volt that's how you charge them even though they're not you know they're not a lipo and it's using that so they're going uh, for voltage then right 
So And then just um, at 1C, like what amp do you do those with? 1C. It oh. says do not exceed 1C. Okay, so 4.8 amps. And I, I charge... Yeah, I charge I charge them at an amp. I mean, I I kind of I kind of undershoot a lot of the C ratings on the charge just because I like you know I'm cheap. I want I want my batteries to last as long as I can possibly uh, make them. And if charging at one C as opposed to three C or, or or I'm sorry, charging at one amp as opposed to charging at four point eight amps makes the battery last another season. You know, I'm not in that big a hurry. I don't need the battery charged that fast. So one C yeah. is, is plenty for me. So I, or I'm sorry, one amp, I should say. I keep saying one C. Um, so I just charge them at one amp. And to be honest, you know, these little JST connectors, the little connectors that plug into your radio with these small wire, anything more than like an amp and a half or two amps, the wire gets kind of warm anyway, and that kind of frightens me. So I just charge them at an amp, play it safe. Yeah, well, I think the JSTs are supposed to be like five amps, is what they'll handle. But I've seen I've seen some of these little wires get pretty warm at an amp and a half. Well, like I'm talking about the actual connector, not necessarily the oh the yeah, wires. yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, I, I'm talking about the wire. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, okay. So, but yeah, I love them. I guess since we kind of got to charging, let's let's move on to that really quick. Um, okay. So NICADs charge pretty easy. There's no yep. nothing special to do with those. Uh, nickel metal hydride, same thing. Uh, charge pretty easy. Nothing special. Um, the one Just thing. Just make sure you have that delta peak detection set to be really sensitive for the nickel metal hydride. Right, and so I would say most, if not all, uh, modern chargers um, have selectable battery types. Like I know on yep. mine, I can do like lead batteries. I can do the nickel cadmium batteries. I can do the uh, uh, NIMH. I can do the lipos. Um, I think that's all I have on mine. That's the only ones I've ever used on it uh, okay. uh, that I remember saying at least. So when you charge a lipo though, so that's going to be completely different than any other battery really um, that we've dealt with. So yes, the long story short of it, lipos have a balance lead. So what that does is actually hooks up wires to each and every cell individually that's in uh, yeah. in your battery. So if you have a, a 3S LiPo, you're going to have four wires coming off of that balance lead. One's ground, and then one's positive for each of the, the three cells. When you first charge um, your LiPo, you're going to set your, um, uh, your charge rate, like your amperage, and then you're going to tell mm -hmm. it what kind of, uh, what size LiPo battery you have, like 2S, 3S, unless it's smart enough to know on its own. Like I said, mine isn't, you have to tell it what you're charging. So right, then it's going to, then it's going to go ahead and check and make sure that pretty much what you're, uh, or what you're telling it is there is there. So it will check and make sure there's voltage on all of the, uh, um, all of the, the balance leads. And then it's going to start charging. So your high rate of charge, like if you're charging a 5,000 milliamp hour battery at 5 amps, your high rate of charge is going to actually start charging through um, the main connection to the battery. When you get to the end, um, let me back up just a little bit. So when you're charging, there's two different charging um, profiles for LiPos on mine. You can either charge one or you can balance charge it. Um, always balance charge it is what I will tell you. The reason for that, so when you're charging your battery, you're gonna really quickly try and get that battery charged. What happens if you don't balance it, 
when you get to 4.2 volts on a cell for your LiPo battery, that's fully charged. You don't want to put anything else in there. If you do, you're going to start to kill that, uh, that cell, and it's going to die off really quick. When you're charging three-cell LiPos at uh, your 11.1 volts or 12.6 when it's fully charged, when it gets to that 12.6 volts, it doesn't know what each cell is doing. So if one is at... Right, it's just registering the pack volt. Right, it's just overall you're at 12.6 volts. So one might be 4.2, one might be 4 volts, and one might be 4.4 volts. If that one is over, it's your battery is going to be pretty much shot. So what happens is when you balance these things, when it gets towards the end, it will start to charge each one of those cells separately. And then that way it knows that each cell is going to be at 4.2 volts. And it will charge them um, on its own. So when one gets to the point where it's fully charged, it stops charging. And then it will charge the next one um, you know, until it's fully charged. So it'll, it'll do them all at once. But when you get to the point to where each one is done and at 4.2 volts, then your battery is fully charged. That is the best way to charge a LiPo battery without killing it. Like I said, whenever I charge them, I do 1C. So I'll do that at most 1C, even if it can do more. So like I said, 5 amp uh, for a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. And then when you get to the end, it's going to take a lot longer to charge. So you're going to see that really go up and, and take the um, take its charge quickly. And then as it gets to the end, it's going to slow down a lot as it's balancing. Because instead of that 5 amps, it's only putting like an amp or less or so, I think, into each one of those cells. Just kind of bringing it up to its full charge voltage. So just be careful when you're doing that. Um, that's how really you're going to make your, your batteries last longer. So that's the best okay. way to do it. Um, yep. You can also, you mentioned before, take your charger to uh, to the field with you. I like doing that too, especially when you're flying a bunch of uh, electric uh, airplanes. I have mm -hmm. a four-port charger that I bring with me. Um, so that will hook up to your car battery. And then you can charge four separate batteries at once, you know, independent of each other, which is nice. Um, yeah. Only problem with that, and I want to warn people on this because I've done it. If you're at the field for a long time charging a bunch of batteries, your car battery is going to die, and then you're going to have to ask somebody for a jump. Um, I, uh, I've yes. kind of gotten into the habit uh, when I've gone places like towards the end of the year last year of bringing an extra like deep cycle battery with me and then just using that to charge. Um, you know, the chargers have a low voltage cutoff, so when it gets too low to safely charge your batteries, it's not going to... Uh, it's not going to charge, or, you know, it's going to shut itself off so you're not charging batteries, and then you don't have to worry about having a dead car battery. So yeah. always use a different battery is, is my recommendation because <laughs> I've been there to where I've had to get a jump. Um, I've also been there to where I was the only person there and had to call somebody to come give me a jump because, oh, okay. yeah, I've done it twice, once with somebody else there with me and then once by myself, um, mm, and that's okay. not fun. That's why I like Nitro. <laughs> that is true but you yeah okay you got me that's true no i mean i've 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 never i've never um ran my car battery down but uh i mean i i can see how that how that could happen especially if you're flying you know flying a lot and you got a lot of batteries yeah actually when i uh when we used to run cars here quite a bit um i took one of our our older uh kind of crappier golf carts and made a power panel on that to where i could actually charge 
all of the batteries and stuff straight off the golf cart. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that the batteries in there are quite a bit bigger. Um, yeah. And the nice thing about that is I didn't have to worry about having a car out in the field with me or anything like that. And I've also done that now with airplanes. Uh, since I don't do the cars as much, I'll, I'll take that out with uh, airplane batteries and stuff and just kind of camp out in the field and go through a bunch of batteries and spend a couple hours out there at a time. So that's fun, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, good times. Yep. Uh, okay. So... I just wanted to, so the algorithm that the chargers use for, I mean, I understand how it works with, with uh, NICAS and nickel metal hydrates. What's the difference between, if you, if you know, tell me, and if you don't, that's fine. You know, it's not that big a deal, but is the algorithm different? Because, you know, there's constant current, constant voltage, and then there's, you know, um, variable current, you know, with, with, constant i mean there's all these different charge algorithms i mean is it is it really that different between the two styles of battery yeah so with that i don't know okay because i know with (laughs) i have no idea with nicads i mean you talked about you know you touched on it just a just a little bit ago about how you know the peak voltage for let's say uh uh, a two cell lipo is what 8.4 i think that's where it cut off yeah it keeps it Four and two noticed, times two. Just, just while watching, you know, watching my charger while I'd be charging one of these batteries. You know, the like you said, the, the voltage, the the pack voltage would get, you know, get up to eight point four or whatever that top is, very quickly, and then it would just stop there, and then it would adjust the charge current to keep it at eight point four. So I'm, I guess, what I'm asking is, is the cutoff, you know, when when does it actually cut off the the charge current? Like when when it takes a tenth of a volt to keep it at eight point four. Oh, I see what I you're saying. Yeah, I you see I've, what I'm asking. Yeah, I, I do. I've noticed that before too. Yeah, like when I'm charging batteries, um, like it'll start at that five amps, and then yeah, right. it it turns itself off, and somehow it knows based on voltage drop, um, pretty much how full it is. Um, I see. I don't know okay. how it works. I'm not a an electrical yeah. engineer or anything. Um, no, me either. But. Yeah, I mean, so, I I know how they work with NICADs and metal hydrides. I just didn't know how it. I guess I just didn't care enough and was scared to find out. I guess because <laughs> lipos still still frighten me. I mean, I still get nervous, even just having them in the house sometimes. When I think about, especially this new battery I just bought, it's it's like the biggest lipo I've ever owned, and it, just looking at it, I'm intimidated by it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little bigger than anything I've had too. Um, but really, it's the same <laughs> as your smaller ones. Um, just treat it well, and it should it should be fine. Yeah. If you see it start to get puffy, don't use it. Um, well, hopefully it doesn't do that for a while because it wasn't. It, I mean, relatively speaking, it wasn't a cheap battery. But, and you should get a lot of uses out of it as long as you take care of it. Right. Well, and I'll I'll take your advice, you know, and uh, I'll not over discharge it or discharge it uh, overcharge it. I guess I should say also. Yeah. What uh, like what connectors do you use on those? Yeah, so I use Dean's two pin or Dean's ultra plugs on pretty much everything that's not a JST connector. So, and the reason is because, and and I'm set in my ways. Um, I used these style of connectors way back when I used to race RC cars, um, and they're they're I don't know what they're actually. I think they're capable of like 120 amps or 150 amps, or they're, they're capable of quite a bit of current. Mm-hmm. And I have I have never 
knock on wood. I've never gotten one so hot that I've, you know, knocked a solder joint or anything off of them. So is that like a bigger version of Dean's then or No, the Dean's Ultra Plug is so Dean's like over the years, I'll just give you a quick brief history. So Dean's has been making plugs for a very, very long WS Dean's, that's the name of the company. They've been making plugs for a really long time. And they actually started their business making uh uh connectors for radios like servo connectors and things like that they were little three pin and they made these little tiny little two pin connectors and um they're red and you could get them in black too and uh, they're just very high quality the pins are all gold plated uh so you know good for for uh conductivity uh and then they made these uh i forget this is, i think it was in the early 90s uh they they made produced a plug called the ultra plug and it was just a it was just a heavier-duty version of their two-pin plug that they were making at the time. And they're arranged such that one pin is arranged one way, and then the other pin is arranged 90 degrees to that. So it's impossible to plug them in backwards. Now, it's not impossible to solder them backwards. Yeah. Uh, but when you have them all soldered correctly, and they're cool because on the backside of the plug, they have a plus and a minus, so you can be consistent about your, your setup. Um, but anyway, I've I've used them ever since uh, I've done cars, and um, I know there's better connectors on the market now, probably, and certainly there's cheaper connectors on the market. But um, I like these. Um, Hobby King even sells a version of it. Uh, I think it's called the XT something or other, um, and they're compatible with the Dean's plug. So um, that's what I use. Hmm. Well, I guess I don't know about the. The Dean's Ultra Plug is what you said it was. I'll have to look that up. That's what that's what Dean's called them. They they called them their Ultra Plug, but it's the same connector. You've seen them. I mean, they've they've been on all my batteries since you've known me. Well, but okay. Uh, so I what confuses me? So a regular Dean's plug that I know is fifty amps. So is there a difference between a Dean's plug and a Dean's Ultra Plug? Hmm. Um. Well, I don't think so. I think you and I are talking about the same plug, but I thought they were capable of much more than that. I could be wrong, but no. So if um, if if we're talking about the same thing, the little red ones, because I have some of those too. Um, that's okay. that's fifty amp. Oh, okay. And it's funny you yeah, like that because way. I don't like those. Um, my reason for not liking them is I when you solder them, you have to be very careful. What what I found is that the best thing to do when you're soldering them is to have a a heat sink on the other side. Uh, to kind of take some of that heat away because it, it the the red plastic melts just a little bit if it gets too hot, um, and then they are very difficult to plug in and unplug to the other ones. Hmm. Um, you need a hotter iron then, because I I have zero problems with that when I'm soldering them. Oh really? Well, yeah. I've had problems with that before, but the ones I've used uh, pretty much on just about everything now uh, are the XT60s. And those are, you know, 60 amps. What, what I mm -hmm. like most about those, especially compared to Dean's, they plug in and unplug very easily. Um, it's it's the same thing to where you can't get it backwards uh, when you're plugging them in. Obviously, right. watch, you know, there's plus and minus on it when you're when you're putting it together uh, or when you're soldering right. it up. But it also, it has the, the round connector inside, like the bullet style. Um, mm-hmm. And it just makes it so much easier to solder. You're not trying to solder onto a little flat piece of, of metal like you are on the Deans. Um, so that's that's probably my favorite one. 
Um, they hmm. do, they do make okay. like the XT90 that's going to be a little bit bigger, and that'll handle you know as the name suggests 90 amps. Um, but yeah, the the XT60s are what I use. Um, okay. I had that's some the yellow ones, right? Yeah, those are the yellow ones. I had some okay. of the 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 blue ones. The uh, what's it called? The EC3s. Um, oh, from eFlight. Yeah. Um, you can that not just on them. Um, you can get those on on other things too. I think one of the the cars I had a, lo- a long time ago had those on it. Man, I don't like those very much. Um, I know. I'm sure. I'm sure some people you know really do. They don't seem to come apart um, as easy. And together is like the XT60s. The thing that is nice about them, though, um, is that you solder them when they're not in the plastic. So you assemble that afterwards. You know, you you solder your uh, bullet connector, and then you push it into the plastic piece, and it clips in. Um, Right. So that's kind of nice. You know, with the Deans and with the XT60s, you have to use the the shrink tubing behind it just to make sure you don't get a short. Uh, um, Right. So... Always use the shrink tubing on those. Um, I'm trying to think. What are some of the other ones? There's a. Uh, oh, I had some. I think I had one battery in a an airplane, and I ended up changing it out. But it was a, a HXT. I think is what they're called. It was like a four okay. four millimeter bullet connection. Um, oh, okay. That's kind of yeah. the same thing when you assemble those as the EC3s. Um, I just, but I to me they're they're hard to plug and unplug. I don't like those very much either, and they're really long, um, so it takes up a lot more space. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know the ones you're talking about. They're red, I think. Or, yeah. Or mm-hmm. red. And, yeah. Yeah, I don't like those either. They are really long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that, like your uh, your balance connector, I think those are the what are they called? The JST dash XH, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there's three different styles. Of those JSTs, but yeah, that's... But yeah, that's um, the most common one that I, if I remember right. Um, And I think those are only a couple amps. You can't put a lot of power through them. So, um, yeah, that's why, like I said, my my favorite ones are the XT60s. Pretty much everything I have is either XT60 or Dean's. Um, I think I've switched everything else out that wasn't that to be that. And it's nice to do it that way too, because then you don't have a whole bunch of different, uh, charging leads for your chargers. You know, you can just have a single one. And that's, yeah. And that, and that's probably why I still use the Deans because all of my charge, like everything I have is, is these Deans. And I mean, even if I, even if I wanted to change to an XT 60 or 90, I'd have to buy that for everything I own. And it's just. I don't know. It's just easier to keep using what I have. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, as long as they're not giving you problems, there's no need to to reinvent the wheel. So no. And you mentioned about you know when you. I mean, I don't want to get into soldering techniques or anything like that, but you you talked about using a heatsink, and really when you're soldering connectors onto a battery on a lipo battery, especially, you should be using you know a wet a wet paper towel or a rag or something on those wires away from that solder joint anyway, because you don't want any of that heat getting into the cells of the battery. Yeah, that's a good point. So what when you solder, what do you set your iron at? As hot as it'll go. Um, I'm using a, uh, it's an old HACO, H-A-K-O, I think. Uh, and I believe it is a 120 watt, I think. I'd have to get the box out. But anyway, um, I set it to the max. Because I don't want, like, and I don't use flux either. Um, I use a good quality solder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I get from 
same company, WS Deans, people, same people who make my plugs or make the plugs that I use. Um, and I, I'll, I'll pre-tin, if you will. You know, I'll, I'll get some solder on the tabs of the connector first yeah. before I go and try to, you know, because that is a lot easier to get that soft and sticky, if you will, yep. uh, than, it, than it is to get the gold on the plater, on the, on the connector. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to be on that tab very long at all with the iron because I don't, you know, I don't want to melt the plug like, you know, the problems you say you've ran into. So a good, good, good quality hot, like a really, really, really hot iron with a big fat tip that will transfer as much heat quickly as, you know, uh, and rapidly as you can is better than, you know, a, an iron with a smaller tip that maybe you have to sit there on the tab and wait for everything to get hot because then you're going to run the risk of, you know, getting heat down the wire into the battery or melting the plug. Yeah. Um, I just, hotter is better. <laughs> yeah, I think I set mine like 800 degrees. If I remember, that's what it does because I, I do the same thing. I just turn it all the way up when I'm soldering these things. Um, yeah. And then I use one of those little helping hands things, you know, the thing that has a mm -hmm. couple alligator clips, and, man, that makes it so much easier. Yeah, I've got a cool little uh, tool here that I used to use in the uh, in the RC car business. It's a aluminum block that actually, oops, sorry, uh, actually clamps the connector into it, so then you have another free hand to, you know, to manipulate the wire and hold it still. And you still have to use your fingers, and that's probably why I don't have any... Uh, nerve endings left in the <laughs> tips of my uh, first three fingers on both hands. But anyway, um, that's what that's the setup I use. At least it's not your thumb that you use for flying. <laughs> True. <laughs> I would adapt. Yeah. I would adapt and overcome. Maybe. Maybe you'd go with the, the pinch instead of the thumb thing. You know, I, I, I'll say it again. I, I really wish I had learned to fly that way. I really do. But I, I've tried it, and it's just so weird to me. I, I can't. I'm just a thumb kind of a guy. I have no precision. Yeah, I guess I lucked out into the fact that when I started, I don't remember who it was, but somebody told me the pinch. I mean, they didn't actually tell me, but when they showed me how to hold it, that's how they showed me. And that's right. that's just kind of how, I, how I've taken off since then. <laughs> taken off. Yeah. That's kind of how I've done it since nice. then. I see so, what you did there. Yeah, that was nice. not on purpose. Um, <laughs> it's getting late, actually. I think it's probably about time to end this one. Um Okay. It's a lot longer, right. a lot longer than I planned on. So, uh, yeah. anything else you want to add, or are we just gonna call it quits? Uh, no, I don't. I, I think uh, I think you hit all the high points. All right. Well, in that case, uh, goodbye. I'm Ron, <laughs> and I'm Tom. <laughs> See you later. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.